Okay, well, all year, we are working our way through the gospel according to John in a series called Finding Life in Jesus' Name. And today, we're in John chapter 9. In fact, we are going to go through the entire chapter of John chapter 9, which is challenging for the preacher, just so you know. But today, uh, we're considering the sixth of seven miraculous signs of Jesus in John's gospel. This is number six. And if you've been with us, you know that each one of these signs, the seven miraculous signs in John's gospel, reveals a little something different about the person and the work of Jesus. But in this story, in the healing of this man who was born blind from birth, we'll see a man literally go from darkness into light. We'll see a sign of truth because Jesus reveals what is true. Now, this lesson is more important today than ever before because we live in a world where it is increasingly difficult to see what is true and what is not. And it's a complicated problem. There isn't just one reason for this. We have politicians on both sides of the aisle and people in the media desperately trying to control the narrative of reality and spin what is true for their own power or political gain. So it's very difficult to tell if any official statement is what really happened or is what is really true because there always seems to be some sort of conflict of interest. Also, most of us live on a steady diet of social media content where, let's face it, everyone in the world shares their opinions about everything all at the same time. And it can be very difficult to discern and tell if any part of this blizzard of opinions is actually true. In fact, studies have shown that lies spread up to six times faster on social media than the truth because the algorithms are designed to keep people engaged, not informed with the truth. Also, we learned last week that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. And when he lies, Jesus said, he speaks in his native language. So we live in a world where there's not just a social battle for truth. There's a spiritual battle for and against the truth. And as a result of these factors and many other factors, there's more chaos and confusion. There's more darkness today than ever before. As a result, people in the world, we don't know what's true or who we can trust. But this truth problem has huge consequences for all people. Because how are we supposed to know who we are, where we've come from, where we're going, or how we ought to live if we don't know what's true? Here's one thing I do know is true. We don't live in a universe of mere opinion. We live in a universe of facts. We don't live in a make-believe reality. This is not a simulation. We live in a reality that has real substance. So how can we know what is true? How can we know what is real? Well, this is exactly what our passage today is all about. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app, please take it and open it to John chapter 9 and keep your finger there. (laughs) We're going to be in John 9 all day. So let's start with John chapter 9, verse 1. As he went along, this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. 
His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked him, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like, like him. But he himself insisted, I, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and, and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Okay, let's pause here. So John chapters 7 and 8 contained a long section of Jesus' teaching and the controversy or the division that it caused during the busy festival of tabernacles in the city of Jerusalem. Now here, at some point later, somewhere, Don doesn't really say when or where, Jesus encounters a man who was blind from birth, and it starts a conversation between Jesus and his disciples about the relationship between sin and suffering. Now, I think this is fascinating. Here's a man who was born blind. The disciples want to know, was this a result, this disability, was this a result of, of his sin or his parents' sin or what? Now, over the years, I've had a number of people ask me questions along these lines. Uh, this bad thing that happened in the world, or this bad thing that happened in my life, did this happen because God is punishing them or punishing me for some reason? Did I do something wrong? Now, in Luke chapter 13, Jesus was asked about two different situations like this, except where people had died. In one case, because of a, an injustice of some sort. In another case, an unexpected tragedy, the collapse of a tower. But Jesus was very clear that in those deaths, as well as here with this man's disability, these situations were not a punishment from God directly because of the people's sin. Unfortunately, these tragic situations were just a normal part of life in a broken world. Now, the truth is, is that sometimes our suffering is a natural consequence of our own sin. For example, if you this past week were disrespectful to or dishonest with a family member, perhaps at a recent meal that you had, and you broke their trust, the loss of that relationship is on you. It is a result of your sin. It's a natural consequence of sin. But not every instance of pain and suffering is directly the result of your own sin. But also, sometimes a tragic situation can be the context, as we see here, for God to do something amazing, to bring healing 
or to bring redemption or life or beauty out of something that is, is truly terrible. Okay, well, that's what Jesus says in verse three. But this happened, his disability, his blindness, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Interesting. And then Jesus heals the man, the works of God, he said. Not simply restoring his sight, which had been lost, but giving him sight when he had never been able to see. But Jesus uses this curious method of healing. Did you notice that? When I was a kid, passages like this weirded me out. As an adult, they still kind of do, honestly. Jesus did what? He spit in the guy's eyes? Well, no, he spit in the, he made some mud with his spit and he wiped it on the guy's face. What, would, what was anyone thinking at this time, do you think? Now, we know from other stories that Jesus doesn't need to make this sort of magical salve to heal someone. Already in John's gospel back in chapter four, we know he doesn't even need to be present with someone. He just needs to will someone well and they will be well. Okay, so why would he heal this man this way? There must be a reason. Well, I'd like to come back to that question, okay? Put that on the shelf for now. For now, Jesus rubs this gross mixture into the man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which John tells us means scent in Jerusalem. When the man does this, he, when he listens to Jesus, when he obeys Jesus' word, he's healed. He can see. And the people of his community don't know what to make of this. Is this the guy that like we've seen begging because his, he was blind? Or not? So they do what many people in this time would have done to report a miracle, they contacted the religious authorities. I'm, I'm sorry, but a miracle, I think, happened, didn't it? Look at verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Uh oh, okay. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, Well, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it then that now he can see? Well, we know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Okay, so there's an investigation by the religious authorities, the Pharisees. But, and here's the problem they uncover. The miraculous sign, this healing, was performed on the Sabbath. Now, according to the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath, the people of, of God were to keep the Sabbath day holy. 
And the Sabbath, a Saturday at the time, was the day, it, was ought to, it ought to be a day of rest, a day of ceasing, that's what Sabbath means, ceasing your work, where people could devote the whole day to being with each other and worshiping the Lord. But, as we already have seen in John's Gospel, by this time, the rules for keeping the Sabbath had gone way beyond the spirit of the law of the Sabbath. So the fact that Jesus had not healed this man simply by his will, the fact that he made something which would have been considered work by the religious authorities and applied it to the man's eyes, meant that Jesus had not properly kept the Sabbath according to their extra rules. Is this why Jesus healed the man in this way? Was he pushing for a bit of a confrontation about the Sabbath? I think that's partly it. But if Jesus was truly a lawbreaker who didn't properly keep the Sabbath, then, according to the Pharisees, he couldn't be who he claimed to be. He couldn't be who some of the people said he was, which was the Messiah. Therefore, the Pharisees can't believe that this man was actually healed. They do not believe this was actually a miracle of God. There must be some sort of trick here. So they send for the man's parents to verify, to see if he really had been born blind, which the parents quickly confirm. Yeah, yes, he was born this way. But John says the parents were afraid of the Pharisees because they knew that they would be put out of the synagogue, which was, would have been an incredible, incredible disruption and dishonoring in their community, in their social network of the day. They would have been excommunicated from the synagogue if they publicly acknowledged that Jesus was in some way the Messiah. So they, in a sense, punt the ball back to their son and say, he's of age, ask him. Like, we don't, he's old enough to testify in court. Why are you bothering us? Well, let's see what happens in verse 24. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody who has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Okay, I love this scene, especially verse 25, where the man says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. This man's testimony was irrefutable as to what Jesus had done for him. 
He may not have known fully who this Jesus was. That, that seems to be pretty clear from this interaction. And it doesn't seem like this man could explain at all how he was healed other than just the basic details of what happened. But he, is, he knows for sure that he was blind and now he can see. And it was because of Jesus. But the Pharisees have this problem that many modern people have as well. They have this a priori belief. They've already rejected Jesus. They've already decided that he's a fraud, so no evidence to the contrary, no matter how miraculous, will be valid for them. They've decided in advance that they do not believe and therefore they will not believe. Do you know anyone like that? I do. But the man who was healed sees the absurdity of this situation. Now that is remarkable, he says. And he's got some guts here. He basically says, Jesus opened my eyes. How can you not see that this is a sign of God's power and favor on him? Are you blind? But the Pharisees throw him out with this accusation that he was a sinner from birth. And this probably is a reference to his disability. And really the opposite of what Jesus had said about the connection between sin and suffering in this man's life. If this is true, this too is ironic. Because this would mean that the Pharisees are actually confirming that he was healed. Well, how do you think Jesus will respond to all of this? Look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he had found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were there heard him and say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is God's word. So after this man had probably been thrown out of probably from the, the synagogue, like his parents feared, the synagogue being the local church congregation, the assembly, that's what it, that means. Jesus intentionally looked for him. Did you notice that? He went to find him. And he found this man, and he asked this man, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he reveals to this man that he himself is the son of man. Now we've seen in John's gospel that this is the title that Jesus used most often for himself. And this title is, is rooted in Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the king of the kingdom of God who would receive a kingdom that would last forever and ever. So after Jesus physically heals this man's blindness, he reveals the spiritual truth of his identity, of who he is. And amazingly, this man responds in faith 
saying, Lord, I do believe. And then he proves it by worshiping Jesus. Now, this is so significant because this is the first time in John's gospel where anyone properly and fully responds to the person of Jesus. He responds in faith and worship. No one else so far has worshiped him. Others have believed Jesus to be many things, but so far no one has understood fully the I am statements of Jesus that he was saying or the signs that he was doing, both of which point to his divinity as the son of God and the son of man. No one could see until this brother This man was the first to see Jesus for who he truly was and respond in faith and worship. But the Pharisees still do not believe. So the irony is that a blind man can see while men who can see are blind. All this reveals that this sixth of the seven miraculous signs of Jesus in John's gospel. This is a sign of spiritual seeing. It's a sign of truth. And this is so important for us even today. Because when you can't see, you can't see what's real and what isn't real. You can't see where you should go in life or what things you should avoid. When you can't see, you can't see where you've been or how you got where you are today. And if you can't see where you've been and you can't see where you are, then you can't see where you're going. What, what are the chances that you could accidentally find the right path forward? It's like trying to walk through an unfamiliar room with the lights off you wouldn't know where to step or what to avoid that might hurt you. Now, doesn't this describe our world today? Blind to what's real, to what is true? But what can we do? As followers of Jesus today, what can we do? Well, my encouragement to you is to follow the example of this nameless brother. Follow this man as he follows Jesus. Turn to Jesus. In various ways and in various means, Jesus has been saying, I am the light of the world. I reveal what is true. Later, he will go on even further and say, I am the truth. Jesus reveals what is true. But also remember that this man He didn't, in this healing, he didn't just believe in Jesus. He actually obeyed the word of Jesus without being able to see him. That's hard. Now, I believe that this is the other reason why Jesus used this salve, balm, let's call it, as a method of healing. This man, not only would it provoke the Pharisees over the their regulations of the Sabbath, but this man had to do what Jesus said before he was healed. He had to obey to receive his spiritual sight. But by faith in Jesus and his obedience to the word of Jesus, that meant that he was not only able to experience the healing power of Jesus, but eventually see him face to face. 
And friends, this is still true today. If we believe in Jesus, the Son of Man, and obey his word, even though we can't see him today, even if we do not understand everything that is happening around us, even if we cannot yet see the good that God might do in a certain tragic circumstance, Jesus will seek us out. He will find us. He will heal us. He will reveal to us what is true. And one day, friends, we too will be able to see him face to face. And what a day that will be. But until then, let us turn to him and listen to him and trust in him for what Jesus reveals is the truth. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we need your help. Lord, would you forgive us when we wander off the path or when we turn from you and try to seek out what is fundamentally true about who we are and where we have come from and why the world is the way it is today and where all this is headed. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for turning to other people and other things in order to seek out these big existential questions. When, Lord, you reveal and you alone reveal the fundamental truth about this world, about the nature of God and the nature of this world, the nature of the problems that we face and the nature of the solution that you have offered. Lord Jesus, guide us in the truth. Give us your spirit. Give us the power of your spirit so that we may obey your word, that we may follow you even when we can't see everything you're doing and even if we can't tell what might happen tomorrow. Lord Jesus, would you help us to, like this brother, trust in you, believe in you, and obey your word. Because it's only through you, Lord, that we will see the light that we need. We pray all this in your powerful and true name.